Here we are now. And today I'd like to discuss this question. How smart was Osho? And the quick answer is, well, he was pretty smart. Pretty smart fellow. And that doesn't help as much with an appreciation. So let's really answer this. Let's really get into this. How smart was Osho? Have you heard of this guy? Do you know who this is? Do you know what it means to be aware of someone who's pretty smart? Smarter than you and me. That's another good answer to this question. How smart was Osho? Well, it's pretty safe to assume he was smarter than you and me. And there are lots of things we can ask as follow-up questions. What do you mean by smart? Do you mean intelligence? Do you mean how he was with people? Do you mean what he did with his life? And one way I've been thinking about how to illustrate this answer is to, well, compare him to other smart people, because there's lots of smart people in this world. There really is. And they come in all sorts of varieties, all sorts of shapes and sizes and genders. <laughs> Better not leave the gender issue out of it. But take, for example, someone who's someone who's just sort of generally accepted as like, yeah, he's a smart guy, like he's a really smart guy. By everyone. Everyone would say, yeah, he's a smart guy. Someone like Steven Pinker. So Steven Pinker, most people have heard of him. He's pretty famous. Pretty famous intellectual and author. And he's, well, what is he? Well, he's a public intellectual and he works at the Harvard University in the psychology department and the research department for linguistics and a whole bunch of things. So he's basically pretty smart. He's about as smart as they come. Now, what do we mean by Steven Pinker is smart? I mean, he writes books, and they're really interesting books. And what's in the books? Like, what are his ideas? How does his mind work? Well, basically, what he's doing is he's reading a whole bunch of books and then distilling the wisdom and the information from them, and then weaving them into another book. And he does this around a general thesis, or a general idea that he's trying to get across. So he's illustrating his ideas with the use of literature. So we could say, well, maybe the measure of how smart someone is, is how much literature they know, and how many references they can make. Because you can have a book where you say, this is my idea. And then you can say, okay, well, that's great, but prove it or explain it. Or how does that fit in with all the other ideas that we've got in the human story? And then you can say, well, there's a reference to this in there, or we use this as reference material or as a commentary on this. You might have a few different things to support your argument. Now, in the case of Steven Pinker, 
He's using multiple books. He's got hundreds of references. And they're not just from English literature as a narrow category. They're also from history. They're also from science. They're also from other cultures. So it's a broad and deep and vast array of references and materials that he uses to weave his tapestry to share an idea, to share his mind. And basically, Stephen Pinker takes it as far as it goes. Like You'll be hard-pressed to find someone who has read more books than he has and can weave them together so eloquently and so easily than he. But then we also have people who write books and... They don't really read a lot, necessarily. They've sort of just got their own life experience. And one example that comes to mind is this guy, Aaron Ralston. So Aaron Ralston is a canyoneer and a mountain climber. And he goes out and he climbs big mountains and he goes through gorges and he does canyoneering and these sorts of outdoor adventures sort of things. And he's got this book, which is the story about this one time where he was climbing down a canyon and he slipped, fell, and a rock fell and jammed his arm between the rock and the cliff. And he was stuck with his arm in the cliff for days on end because he was out there by himself. And it's a real, it's a real thriller of a survival story. It's a real thriller of a tale of how he got out and how he faced the odds of life in the wilderness, did everything against the odds of surviving having that accident. And it's an incredible story. And it's very well written. He's a very good writer. And, well, that's sort of like a one-off experience. So we could say there's two, so there's two sort of life experiences. There's one-off novels where you have this big thing and then it's a big story and everyone wants to know about it so you can sell lots of books. But then you have sort of life experience where you can be a canyoneering expert by going out and actually doing it. And that way you've gathered, gathered some knowledge. It's first-hand knowledge and you can write a book. And that's, well, that's pretty smart. That's pretty interesting. We could read a book by someone who has that knowledge. Now, when people write books, there's usually an ABC sort of process. There's the initial inspiration or the moment of conception, the forming of the thesis or the event that you're going to write about. Like in the case of Aaron Ralston, it was him falling down the, the cliff. And then there's the writing, there's the first draft, the second draft, and then there's research, there's follow-up research, and then you've got cross-referencing, and then you've got different editing processes. And that takes time, that takes refining. And then in the case of someone like Steven Pinker, well, he's very clear about this process, and he says, nope, I'm in definite mode of research at this stage, or I'm in definite mode of 
writing at this stage and we don't hear anything from him because he's just keeping to himself. And then the book comes out and then you've got the, well, the promotion stage, which is you go around and you talk about the ideas and you try and get the ideas across and you say, well, you've really got to know more about this and you really should buy my book. And that's where you're talking about the ideas or you're talking about the events and that's where your sales go through the roof and you've got this bestseller it's like the new book by Steven Pinker or the new book by Aaron Ralston and it's the hot topic and well that's the lifespan of a book if you write a book most books if they're successful they have their promotion period and you sell some and then it peters off it just sort of becomes less and less interesting as time goes on and that's if you're lucky Sometimes, well, for a lot of books, they don't even have a success. They don't even get read. There are many books that haven't been read widely. There are many independent books. And in those cases, well, let's just hope that whoever's writing them has the, the inner wisdom to see the personal juice that can come from that. Let's hope they don't slave too hard over it and they can get some personal wisdom from that process. And that's basically how smart people work. That's what smart people are. They write books. Now, in the case of Osho, let's try and illustrate what's happened with him to show how smart he is. Let's, let's describe what he's done to put into perspective how smart he is. Let, let's say this way. Let's, let's put it this way. Instead of writing your next book and doing your research and going to the editor and refining it and going through second draft, third draft, and then promoting it and publishing it and promoting it, what we're going to do is we're going to set a microphone up in front of your face and you won't write the book, you'll just talk. And the next 500,000 words that comes out of your mouth, we're going to put it to print, and that will be your book. So just just talk. And not only that, well, 500,000 words, that's a lot more words than a normal novel, so it's actually going to be a volume series. So let's make it, let, let's make it 12 parts. And then we're going to publish this, 12 parts, and that will be a best-selling series. That will be an international hit in terms of selling numbers. And not only that, but it will keep growing. You will sell more and more and more year and year and year after that. That's the sort of thing we're talking about with Osho. That's the sort of magnitude of his smartness. And it's also the case that, well, he hasn't just written one book. He's written multiple books, and there are multiple series. And they do continue to grow. People do continue to catch on. And, well, they've been sold worldwide. They've been sold in many languages. Now, when you have a book, you bring it out in your own language, and if it's really successful, then someone will translate it for you if you're lucky 
Or if there's a fan that likes your book, they'll offer to translate it for you. And maybe it'll get translated into a few different languages. Books that are really famous, books that are heavy, books that are standing the test of time, well, they usually get translated into about 30 or 40 different languages. And that's the extent of it. Now, in the case of Osho, that still applies. His books have been translated into dozens of languages. And you could say, well, is that because of demand or is that because people like the books and they just want to translate them for him because it's resonated with him? Well, I don't know. And I don't know how the sales go. Is the Dharmapada a bestseller in another language? Is the Path of Love a bestseller in another language is from sex to superconsciousness a bestseller in another language. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know all the statistics. And in the case of volume, you know, like from sex to superconsciousness, that's like a nano novel or a pamphlet. So they're not all Dharmapada, 12 volume, 500,000 word size things. So. The point I'm trying to make is just to illustrate what we're talking with, what we're talking about, what sort of magnitude there is behind the intelligence and wisdom of the man Osho. And the other thing I'll say is that there is a difference between the spoken word and the written word. Because you you could say that, well, Osho's books, they're not as eloquently written. It's not as beautiful a writing style as Steven Pinker or Aaron Ralston. And to some extent that's true because it's not written as in typing, it's spoken word. But then we get into this question of, well, what is it you're trying to convey? What is it that you're really communicating? Like, can we delve into the mechanics of communicating without really seeing what the point of it is like the mechanics of com- communicating is one thing but what what you're trying to communicate that's a different thing and that's where we start to get into this point where well it's not about smartness and it's not even about intelligence and it's not even about literary references. Now, in the case of Osho, he actually does do the literary references. And he does pull from all sorts of cultures and histories and philosophies, all sorts of wisdoms of the ancient texts and religion and so on, as much as someone like Steven Pinker. So he does have the academic edge. He does have the scholarly edge to him albeit in a very different way, in a sort of rough-around-the-edges sort of way. But that's beside the point, because the message, what you're trying to say, is the point. And in the case of Osho, I think his message was to raise the quality of your consciousness. His message was to step into freedom 
Step into openness to liberate yourself, to wake up. And when we're talking about those sorts of things, how smart someone is, is a very shallow way of coming at it. It's sort of an ABC beginner view of what a man is, what a, what a message is. And a lot of Osho's work, actually, well, a portion of Osho's work was even devoted to tearing down his words and not putting too much emphasis on the words. And he even at times purposefully contradicted himself so as to undermine the words. That was one of his techniques, is to undermine himself and contradict himself so that you wouldn't get caught up in the words because in in a sense the words are beyond the point they're beside the point they're only a vessel of what's being communicated they're only the intermediary between him and his people of the message So I think that puts some things into perspective. And another way of looking at this is, well, Osho's library has 150,000 books and he's reported to have read every single one. So that's another quick example of how we can answer this question, how smart was Osho? And there are many books where he talks about his life experiences in the same way that Aaron Ralston shares his experience of getting caught in the wilderness with his rock, with his arm between a rock and a cliff. So, what are we to make of this? Well, we're back at square one. (laughs) How smart was Osho? Smarter than you and me. (laughs) By how much? Well, by how much can actually be the measure of your intelligence, of how smart you are. And this is a paradox of what it means to appreciate someone because the more you appreciate someone, actually the more you are intelligent the more smart you have to be because you can only recognize what's in yourself. You can only recognize what you have some idea of and some sort of experience of. So that's some thoughts that are bouncing around today. And... If you feel to do, like I do right now, we can sit quietly for a few minutes. So don't rush off just yet for what you want to do after this. Don't distract yourself. Just sit quietly with your eyes closed and be still for a few minutes. And that's all I have to say for now. (laughs) 